We got some breeze bits. We got some breeze bits. They're coming in hot, so ready on hopper raised bits. Mmm, bits. The chefs have no idea. Because you always have to have your you're you're kind of cooking utensils out. You gotta have the tongs. You gotta have the knives. You gotta be chopping on the cutting board. Always chopping. I think if if we're chopping naturally before the pod, during the pod, it's like, what's the difference between one chop or the other chop? I had a basketball coach in basketball camp, and I'm sure this is a saying that he didn't make up at all. But he always said, "Character is what you do when no one's watching." Exactly. And Definitely. that's kind of what we are as chefs. We're still chefs even when we're not recording. Yeah, and honestly, I think we are probably better, like our banter before the pod and after the pod is probably better, so we need to start transitioning that into the pod, because I feel like when we're off the pod is our, our, our best performances. I mean, we're still, we're still, we still braise hot, we're coming hot, ready or not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, I, I, try to, I try to cook the best I can on the pod, but there is there's that not added pressure. Yeah, there's still the element of, uh, we know that the red light is on. Speaking of the red light, we are cooking hot. Welcome to Braze Bits, everybody. Welcome episode to Braze. 30. Welcome to Braze Bits, episode thirty. Red light, green light, one, two, three. It's a <laughs> children's game, I, I believe. Yeah, it's it's nice to be here. It's good to be here. It's great to be here. Episode thirty. We, we've reached our official age in real life. Yeah, pod. that's feels, a, it feels right. That's an interesting moment. There's two ways I feel like I approach aging. One is that. And I think it's less and less as I get older. Like I feel like when I was in my twenties, you know, back in such a long time ago. Back you know in the day. how you know you know how when you were six and you were like, I was so dumb when I was five, but now that I'm six, I'm right. so smart. Yeah. So now that I'm thirty, <laughs> in my twenties, I was an idiot. But now that I'm thirty, I know when I was, I was a twenty-nine. Year, when I was a twenty-nine-year-old, I was such an idiot. But now, now that I'm thirty, a month later, I feel like I'm a whole new, whole new guy. Exactly, but. Um, I feel like the one way I always approach it, especially with comedy, like when I started comedy, I was about to turn 23. It was like a, it was like two weeks before I turned 23. I was 22. And I was like, all right, so I got to accomplish all this stuff by the time I'm like 26, 27. If I don't, I'm a failure. And then you hit like 26, 27, and obviously you're not a, <laughs> you know, you don't have a Comedy Central special or whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, if I don't accomplish this by the time I'm 30. But now I'm like, whatever, I'll just do stuff. <laughs> I think we, then, have, we have a great excuse. We got Corona. Corona is, is, was the great, like in, in, in a few years, be like, yeah, I didn't accomplish things because I we all had to pause our careers. Corona. Yeah. I would have been on Conan six months ago if Corona didn't happen. Yeah. Well, I think it's like two different mindsets. Like one is is to define these ex, the kind of random external markers as as successful or is it just kind of you you just do the work and whatever the rewards are, like they're they're sort of they're related obviously but they're not entirely related it's like oh did you just like do the best at comedy that you could have worked as hard as you think you could have right i feel like that's almost and that if you if you lean into that a little bit too much then you might it might lack some sort of ambition but if you just i mean i don't know we know people who have got stuff and clearly they're miserable so (laughs) no it's it's definitely important to have goals but i feel like I was probably the happiest doing comedy. It was like the first three years when I just had like my head down. It was like almost just happy to be in the community and like uh, surprised that I was still I was doing comedy. Now it's like yeah. oh, I, I've been doing it for over six years. I gotta we gotta do something. Yeah, yeah. Now now it's now it's it's a career and it's like you gotta have, you you feel like you should have something to show for it. Yeah, 
Shofar Ford. Shofar. The Braves bit Shofar. Jordan Shofarmer. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, we're, this yeah. is episode 30. It's pretty wild. We, how many episodes have we done in quarantine? Do you know? Like, I, was lo- I was looking at it. I think episode seven. Yeah, I think episode 17 was the first quarantine one, I think. Um, I think we did 14 before. I think, yeah, it's about about half our, uh, That's crazy. our quarantine, quarantine apps. That's crazy. This is uh, we're, we're an aged pod now. We're, I feel like we're a dry-aged pod. We have layers and layers of, of uh, what's it called? Layers of quality and layers of flavor. That's what I'm looking for. We have flavor yeah. on this pod. I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I, I never knew a dry aged man. I just was like, oh, if if a steak is dry aged, it must be good. Because why would they say that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what it means. Is there a wet age? If cause I think I feel like I've been wet <laughs> aging my whole life. Yeah, dip you in. Dip me in a bathtub. I'm always wet. I got a yeah. I got a little wet slick back hair. I got the Barry, Barry Melrose. Barry Melrose. Yeah, Mel, Melrose place. It's great to be here. Nice. Yeah. Sweet sauce. You want to jump into some uh, highlight magazines? Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, should we do the pod now? I mean, we're doing the pod, but wait, should I should I press record? No, okay, I like no. this. This is this is a lot more fun. Do Do you think people do like that? Would be a weird social. I guess phone calls are kind of like that. But imagine if there were like two people who got together every week to do a podcast, but they didn't record it. That'd be just. I don't know if that would be sad or like almost like it'd be amazing. I, I, like. In their head, they're doing a podcast, but they're not recording. They're like, oh, great pod this week. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're not, like, showing it to anyone. Yeah. I mean, at a certain level, I mean, we, we, we have great Brazerbacks. We have great listeners. But compared to, say, um, like Mark Marin, we're, we're, doing, the, we're doing this pod for, for uh, crumbs. And he's doing it for cookies. That's true. But if you, if you expand that, you could say we're all living in a simulation, so we're all kind of doing that. Exactly. Exactly, I appreciate all the Brazerbacks. I love, I love all our. We're, we're, we're gaining Brazerbacks every day. It's cool that we that people listen consistently. That's great. Uh, yeah, it's like it, it's also one of those things with like milestones in anything. It's cool initially with comedy, right? It's cool that first. Oh, it's like I'm doing this, and then at some point we'll be ungrateful and we'll be like, oh, well, why don't we have more, more, you know? But it's really nice. It's legitimately really nice that uh, there are Brazerbacks. And even our pod nemesis, Eric Seidel, um, said he was he was excited for the episode last week. Love that. I, I love to hear that from Seidel. I got that also from a few people. I got that from Wack, Wack G, uh, the Schnecks, my father. There, everyone was, was starving for a pod. And I think yeah. I, got, I got some good feedback from our, our last pod that we uh, we discussed what was going on in the country very well, and uh, it was I, I got positive feedback from what we were talking about. Good, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, did you get Imagine, someone who like? <laughs> I got someone who's gonna cancel us saying that we were racist, yeah. but I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna call them out. Um, cool. Yeah, let's get into some uh, some highlights. Sweet sauce. Let's do it. You want to lead you got off? It. Oh, no. I got it. I'll get on base. I uh, I feel like I'm still riding my riding the high of my highlight. Um, I don't want to rub it in too much, but I did live stand up comedy last night um, for the first time in three months. I did a, a drive in stand up show in the parking lot of a diner in Queens, and uh, it was it was awesome. It, like I was very very nervous. I was like it was, there's a a lot of a lot of cars there. I uh, didn't really know what to expect. But it went 
the first minute was a little rocky, and I feel like uh, my like my, when I was on stage, my brain was like kind of like uh, recalibrating how to do bits. But overall, it went very well. I feel like I got my footing. I got some momentum. Everyone was in their cars, but there was like a, four people in the front row that are sitting in chairs, socially distanced, about like seven feet apart. So hearing their laughter was very important. It was like I was able to hear some some laughs, but overall, everyone in the cars used their uh, blinkers and their, like their lights and their uh, wipers to, to determine if they're laughing, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, it was at one point. I mean, it was it was fantastic, but now it's like. I feel like now I want to do it again, and I don't have anything lined up. Obviously, and I'm not, probably not going to do it for a while. But like, it's, I almost feel like I, I got my like fit my I'm like a, uh, a drug addict. I got my fix now. Now I need another fix. It's like I got it. Uh, but it was it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that's what stand up is talking about getting to need your fix. It's like, I think the people that well, there's I think a few levels, but one of it is the people why people get so into it. And number one, you have to do it so much to get good at it. But right. uh, it is it is like you need your fix. Exactly. So that's it's like it is it like when people don't understand like you know when you tell people about stand up and they think you do it like once a week initially and you tell people you do it every day and they can't comprehend it. Right. Part of it is that part of it is that if you're taking it seriously, that's what you need to do. Then the other part of it is it's like it's, it's your fix. Exactly. Netflix. It was, it was <laughs> flicks and chill. Fix and chill. It was awesome. And it also made me grateful that I, during quarantine, I did those one-shot videos. And, and then I've done a couple of Zoom shows where I wrote material about Corona and about what was going on. Because I used those jokes in my set. And I feel like those are the best jokes that went over. Because everyone, and everyone that, who came to this show, I feel like, was like starving for like, just to kind of talk about what's been going on, and uh, I like I'm, I was very I, at one point I was like debating like should I just do jokes that I know work and like know like go back to material I, done, I was doing before Corona. Um, I'm glad I didn't do that because I feel like that would have just been pretty stale and like not uh, not relevant. Yeah, well, if they were starving for bits, it's good that the comedy chef was up there. I was cooking. I was yeah. cooking hot. It's um. I also two things. Uh, one is that. Stand up diner Queens, I feel like is like the perfect combination of Jesse things. Exactly. It was so it was like <laughs> it was the nexus of, of great Jesse things, number oh, one. And then number two, maybe there'll be some more opportunities. I don't know. I'm just saying. I hope so. I, I, I hope this summer that I think there'll be more and more outside outdoor shows. I've been seeing in Connecticut there's been some outdoor shows. Uh I hope so. I mean yeah. I just also hope that this I felt comfortable doing because the majority of people were in their cars and everyone was wearing masks who was standing outside. But I just hope there's not like another huge second wave of, of Corona in New York City. And I mean, there's already people, other states peaking. So we'll see. Yeah, that sounds good. What do you got for highlights? Uh, what do I got for highlights? So mine is more of a – I like to produce – I consider myself a person like apples or like like vegetables, like produce. Yeah, I like to produce things, but I, you know, there's there's a balance between producing and consuming, right? You mm. consume stuff, and I think some people, and especially in the world today, most people, it's not most people, but it's easy to just consume, right? You got internet content, you got Netflix, you got all this stuff, and it's easy to never produce. 
but um, I consumed a bunch of things over the past week or two that I, I thought were great. Uh, number one, I was talking last, I think last pod, yeah, last pod, that I read Roots. Yeah. And I never watched the miniseries. Um, and I had always meant to read it, and I finally read it. And it was really, number one, there were a lot of, you know, it was kind of a horrible personal story about slavery um, and America in general. But it was really well done and well written. Um, and I wrote about, I wrote in my newsletter uh, this past week, just there's, I think there's, there's some really interesting things in there about, um, like, memory and how things are, are passed down and the way I think people think of knowledge in general. And I thought that thread of it was really fascinating and it made me think about a lot of stuff I hadn't really thought about. Um, What's the miniseries? Like, uh, is it on? So I've like heard about it. Yeah, so it came out, I believe, in the late 70s. So Alex oh, wow. Haley, the writer, he, he, he was a writer. He actually, um, Malcolm X, so the autobiography of Malcolm X, basically the book about Malcolm X. Malcolm X went to um, Alex Haley, he's this writer, his studio, and they basically had a series of interviews, and that became the basis for the autobiography of Malcolm X. Basically, it's Malcolm X doing these interviews, and Alex Haley just kind of wrote them up. I kind of believe how that works. It's actually a stop at one of my tours. Um, it's in. Do you know? You know where Stonewall? Where Stonewall Inn is? Yeah, yeah. It's like in that square where that studio oh, wow. was. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's crazy actually. So that happened like in the mid '60s. That book came out, I believe, and um, Stonewall happened a few years later. So a lot of stuff happened in that That's little awesome. square. But um, anyway, so then he writes this book, Roots, where he basically traces his family history back to Africa. Uh, there's this like story in his family, um, of, of like this, the African as, as they called him, Kunta, Kunta Kinte. Um, and, uh, like each generation told the story of, so when he, you know, had a kid, uh, he told his story of he's from Africa. He's not from, he's not from Virginia. He's, he's African and wanted his daughter to know his, you know, his history and culture. And then that just keeps getting passed down like seven generations. So he traces back, all this stuff. Um, and, uh, it ends up him lead, like he ends up going to some of this stuff is disputed. Like there's this whole, if you Wikipedia, there's all this controversy about the, the research, but it's basically, you know, he, um, he goes to the village where in the book he writes where, where Kunta Kinte is from. Uh, and he talks to, I might be mispronouncing the name, uh, but Grio, uh, G R I O T. And they're basically like a, like a, a historian, slash like storyteller like in, in my newsletter i talked about how how like that might have been viewed as a safer way to store information than <laughs> writing because in writing you know there's floods there's invasions and written records might not have been as safe as as memory and we today think that memory is the least reliable form of of uh information and, and right. storing information but if you train your brain and like to, to, and you know, a lot of cultures before writing and before writing was widespread, that was the best way to do it. So, um, it, I thought that was kind of really interesting and how like, yeah. And I, like how today we're basically giving away that skill, right? Like we're like with, with phones and with Google maps and all of that, it's like, that's a skill that we're willingly atrophying. Absolutely. I've, I've realized that like, it's I'm a better performer or better like 
conversationalist when I'm basing things off my memory and basing things that I already had in my head rather than like reading off the paper or looking at notes. I know it's like a simple way to look at it, but like it's it, when it comes through something that you already have absorbed, I feel like that's kind of the most authentic way to, to hold on to a memory, hold on to information. Yeah, and like it seems like to be a, a griot, there's a, this like intense training process. And I think just in general, I was I wasn't to a podcast once about there's these memory competitions, and it's like people who memorize like five like some these crazy sequences and things like that, and how you train your brain to do that. And I just think that stuff is fascinating, and I think it's I really think it's like the one of the things that made humans able to you know, take over the world, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, but it's interesting. like, like things have gotten so good. We're giving it away. Right. It's interesting. At what level is it like, are you just memorizing information? And it's like, but then uh, compared to like absorbing and understanding the information, like, people, yeah, like, there's actors who can memorize hundreds of pages of script, but all they know is the words rather than like the feeling behind the words, the, the best yeah. actors are able to absorb it. They kind of forget forget like the words, and they're like oh, they're saying it because they they mean it. That's right. Like I'm an actor. I am really good at acting. Like I pay attention to what you say. No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> slam bam. That was that, slam that, that was bad. That was insincere, and it was also a low blow. Wow, that was blow the belt. I'm not even wearing a cup. And I feel like yeah. I really got a nut shot there. You know what? Man, nah. this, this is what the pod's all about. But that's uh, that is something about it. But you need to actually, you need to people, and this actually is nice. Uh, brings to my second point. Uh, another book I read, and I actually just finished it like ten minutes ago. Thanks for delaying the. Thanks for your super uh, MC hammering away. I got to, to finish this book. Um, the uh, the seven habits of highly successful people. Mm. Have you heard of this? No. It's like a another. I think it came out in the late eighties or early nineties and it's, you know, one of these self help books that has like millions and millions of copies sold. And I always had meant to reading it. Um meant to reading it is not a phrase, but uh I read it and it was really good. And one of the things it talked about was that people don't listen to another person like when you have a conversation, you're you're really just talking you're really thinking about how you could how what you're gonna say and how you relate to it, but uh, how to practice like emphatic listening and actually listen to what someone else is saying. That was one of the many things of, of the book. What what did you say? Just did, did just, I cut, did I cut out? No, no, I'm, no, I'm, just, no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I I, I, uh, I completely agree. I, that was the biggest thing I learned. I took the improv one on one at at the now I don't know if it's defunct, but at UCB. And uh, the biggest thing they taught you is to be a great listener. I feel like that helped me with stand-up and, and just in life is like being an active listener, like not like zoning out when someone's talking because when you're an active listener, you're able to heighten whatever's going on. You're able to add to the conversation you're at. It's very simple, but like a lot of people, especially a lot of, uh, I don't want to call them, but a lot of people when they're, when they're listening to you, all they're thinking about is like, how am I going to like, they're, they're not listening to what you're saying. They're saying like, what, what can I say that's going to sound smarter than that? Or what can I say that I've had experience related to that rather than just hearing the person? What was that? Yes. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And yeah, it's, it's like, uh, instead of competing spices, why don't you, uh, let's put it all in a, in a pot. Let's exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, and then the last thing I did you watch uh Dave Chappelle's I wouldn't say special, but you know, special. I did. I I thought it was very special. I thought it was very important and uh it was amazing. It was great. Um and it wasn't funny, but it shouldn't. What I thought was really interesting is there were times where he clearly, and he's so good at stand up that he clearly like wanted to bring it to funny. Yeah, but I, but I the moment his, his intention was to be funny. Like he got on stage with the book and he said that like I'm trying to figure out like where, where the funny is, but he also wasn't like that wasn't his end goal was to like try to punch up the the jokes. Yeah, the moment was too serious, and it did really feel like you know a lot of comedians are very good at making it seem like you're processing things in real time where you're not. But this clearly he, it, he almost certainly was. Absolutely. I've never and, seen him so intense and so, uh, like just like angry. And just like, just like urgent. It was like very urgent. Yeah. Um, and it, I was, yeah, just brilliant how he weaved things together. And it made me really think of one thing he said was that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a trust between someone like Chappelle and an audience because he's just saying what he thinks, and that is not that doesn't exist in most almost all media, and that I think is one of the reasons. Not it, it could be a contributing factor to why there's so much distrust in just kind of general society because every every time you're being communicated by even like a news station or something, you're like, all right, well, there's something else here. What is it that they're trying to get at? What, you know, um, but someone like Chappelle is just, this is, uh, this is what I think. This is what I'm saying. There's, there's a talking about communication. There's clearly been a communication breakdown between, I think a lot of media and just individual people. Maybe if you're like kind of an opportunistic communicator, right. Uh, And he's just like, it just shows the importance of genuine, um, like communi- communication, I guess. But I, I think it shows the importance of like comedians in society and how like I think that's why like Netflix has this boom of comedians. Why, why we're in a stand up boom, or at least before Corona, we were a stand up boom. Is that people like comedians are kind of like the truth tellers. Most comedians don't have an agenda. They're not like sponsored by somebody. They're just speaking what they think. Um, so I think it's important like. For people who don't have like a uh, an agenda behind them, they're just speaking their truth. That's what most comedians are doing. Yeah, I agree, and that's why when I go on a long trip, I use a JanSport backpack. <laughs> You're a JanSport guy? Uh, no, wow. I actually, I actually, I actually think something in my thirties, I'm going to go away from backpacks. Really? What are you going to do? You be a satchel guy? I don't know. Satchel page. Satchel page. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, well, it's a tote bag. Is that the same thing as a satchel? Yeah, something like that. The thing is with a backpack is it's the best way, but it's going to hurt my back. It is going to hurt your back, but I don't know. What are you going to be, a, a guy carrying a suitcase of your bits? You know, a briefcase yeah, of your bits? <laughs> I, I know, yeah, a bit, bits briefcase. The thing is, I'm not, maybe not, not as much anymore, but I would be a backpack. It was, it was huge for me because I'd go to work, then I'd maybe go to yoga, then I'd yeah. go do some comedy. On the weekends, I'd be running around doing tours, and I have like books and and visual stuff, and then maybe going to a show from a tour. So I've had just I'm always carrying around a lot of stuff. I'm one of those people, and you're like, why does he got all that stuff? And that's why because I'm doing you're all t- these different turkey, things that require stuff. Uh, that's what I've always been saying about you. Lance is a turkey. He's, he's got a lot of stuffing. That's right. Yeah, I love stuffing. Dude. I know you do too. 
I am anti-stuffing. It's disgusting. It's got giblets in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, so I consumed <laughs> these. Sorry. No, no. Uh, awesome. I also, can't, I also can't tell if my internet connection's bad, but that's it. You sound pretty good to me. Okay. I haven't heard uh, yes. anything you've said the past 24 minutes, but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, so those were my three, uh, my three things. Did a lot of consuming, and you're still looking pretty did, lean. So I did, feel like you, had a, you had a good diet of consuming. It was a healthy, right. balanced diet of consummation. That's right. Beautiful. Well, speaking of uh, consuming things, our top nine is a list of things that I consume way too much of. And I, I love one of my favorite things on earth. Is this where I, I, yeah, like, uh, I was going yeah. to try to alley-oop you. <laughs> so this is one of my favorite <laughs> things on earth. I do a lot of consuming. It's about bread. <laughs> <laughs> that was smooth. That was just, that was, uh, oh man, that's like a three man, two man weave. That's what I say. You know, we're going to get some sourdough Scarborough praise Kala. You know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to really do it. Love it. Love it. We're doing our top nine favorite breads. Bread That's rolls. right. And it's going to be, it's not going to be a pain, but it's going to be a pain. Au bon pain? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Like that. Love that. Got it. Yeah. And we're going to, we're not going to eat it in a pan. We're going to cook it in a pan, though. We'll cook it in the pan. We'll take it out of the pan, put it on the plate. We got our top nine breads. And I'm going to say, I'm going to lead off by saying that, as you know, I'm a food purist. So sure do. I based my breads not on on just the the item itself. So a lot of breads you have stuff on them and you have things on them, and that enhances the bread obviously. But I'm just I'm just evaluating the product as it is. I, okay. I want it singular respect, singular wireless. I have a couple that are not like that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna predict your number one is yeast. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> No, e- wow. Eastern. It's not. It's not in the Eastern Conference. Okay, maybe it's maybe it's a little Western style bread. Yeah. All right. What you want to lead off? Do, do your nine eight seven. Yeah, I'll lead off. So number nine, I got a Montreal style bagel. Wow. So I've talked about these quite a bit. If you've never been to Montreal, you should go. It was it was one of my favorite cities. Check out the episode. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but Top 9 Cities. If you check out Braze Bits, you can see the Top 9. It's one of the early ones. I feel like it was within yeah. the first 10. Um, and Montreal-style bagels are meant to eat, be eaten just as the bagel. And they're really conducive to Montreal because Montreal is a cold climate. So I, I also think that um, breads are obviously more popular or more widespread, I guess you would say, or heavier breads in northern you know, in, in colder, colder uh, climates and colder regions. Definitely. Well, that's and that's obvious. Yeah, and that's obvious because, you know, the colder the weather is, the more miserable people are. So they need bread. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, but Montreal-style <laughs> bagels, just they're, they're both filling, but you also want more. It's bread. It's, um, they last, I think, a little bit longer than a normal bagel. They, get, they're not as, they don't get as juice daily. And they're just delicious. Interesting. I feel like I haven't had enough Montreal-style bagels to really appreciate it. The only ones I've had are from Black Seed in the city. And I don't yeah. think I – I think I like got either like a bacon, egg, and cheese on them or I put cream cheese, which 
probably is not the best way to enjoy them. Like you said, you you have them straight up. Yeah, and I I feel I only went to I've only been to had Black Seed once, and it was in you know the um the it's in like Brookfield Place that like mall in Battery Park City. No, I don't think so. There's this mall in Bar- Battery Park City, and it's the part of it is this food court with you know all the popular New York mini chains. And I got I was like oh I want a bagel so I got a boxy bagel and it was like six dollars for like a yeah. bagel with cream cheese. Yeah, and um, that Black that, like, that yeah, itself makes away. it not a good. Yeah, yeah, that itself makes it not a good not a good experience. Right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that number eight I got whole wheat toast or just whole wheat bread. Whole wheat is on your top nine. That's right. Whole wheat. I mean, I whole love wheat a whole cow. wheat. But if you had it, if you had it, oh wow! That's. I mean, I'm gonna. Wow. Tyrone Wheatley. <laughs> Wheatley. It's like a town in Long Island. Also, that's all I got for wheat. Ron Wheatley from Harry Potter. Nice. That's a good one. Um, that's, that's good enough. But <laughs> weedy cereal. Weedy cereal. It, yeah, I um, I used to not like it. I used to think anything healthy was disgusting, like most people. <laughs> but over time, I've slowly appreciated the whole wheat. I actually, this is sort of, it bleeds into, this is not, this actually isn't number eight, but it bleeds into another thing. I made challah French toast the other day. Wow, you made your own challah? Uh, I didn't make the own challah. We got this challah, and I didn't realize it was whole wheat challah. Wow. And at first they said, oh, no, this is going to ruin the French toast. But it ended up being good. Yeah, I, I think whole wheat's great. I, 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 I usually have whole wheat bagels these days, and I'll, I'll go with whole wheat bread, but it's not my, my favorite. Well, I'm going to say I like it because it's still bread, but it's also healthy. So I feel like you could eat more of it because it's healthy, therefore sure. negating the healthy aspect, but you could have more of it. That's fair. And more bread is better than less bread. Definitely, I can I can stand behind that. That should be our our pod motto: more bread <laughs> is better than less bread. Yeah. If you so, like bread, you're gonna like this pod. That's right. So number seven, I got none. None of that. I'm having none of that. Yeah. So it, it's just really good. I we've been making a lot of it during during quarantine. Pretty easy to make, but also a nice. It's a a nice accompaniment to a meal. As all breads are, but also, listen. There, there are many times where I just will go to the fridge and eat naan out of the fridge. And then when you're going to an Indian restaurant, it's like, you know, you get there's all all different types of naan. It's just one of the many types of Indian breads. But um, you know, you could dip it in things like you dip it in whatever you get, and you could dip it. You could have it separate. It's equally as good. Um, it's absorbent. It's not yellow or porous like SpongeBob SquarePants, <laughs> but it's uh, it's just a, a nice bread. I I enjoy Tikna Nan a lot. I I, I like garlic naan a T- lot. Takashi Nan. Takashi Six Nan. That's that's an episode <laughs> title contender. Takashi Six Nan bread. Wow, wow, <laughs> that is strong. Really good. Yeah, I, I like naan a lot. I feel like I haven't. I feel like I said on the pod before. I haven't had a lot of Indian food. Haven't exposed to it. But I mean, how can you not like naan? Yeah, if I if I am with someone and I'm like, do you want naan? And they say no, then the whole relationship's a non-starter. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Is that your seven? Is that that your was seven? okay? Sweet. 
Um, is my sound coming in fine? It's like slightly delayed for for me, but I think that's sound, just my problem. Your sound is fine. It, like the the Skype is delayed, but the sound sounds fine. Oh, great, cool. So that's all that matters. Yeah. We'll we'll see. Razorbacks, if you hate this episode, then Romaine, let us know. Yeah, please. This I is gonna be the last. This is where I'm. I'm back in my apartment next week, so we, we won't have these issues. Right. I might. Even there might not even be an issue. I think when you come back, I might be going back up. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. We we stay tuned. Um, okay, here we go. Number nine is seeded rye bread. Uh, I I was debating on whether to push up rye bread on my list. My top nine, um, but I think it's in a good spot. I love rye bread. Usually, if I go to a diner, I ask for rye bread as the toast on the side, um, or I'll go whole wheat if I'm, I'm trying to be healthy. But I, I love rye bread. I love the taste of it. I love it simple with a little butter, or you know, it's classic with all the the deli, like the pastrami, the corned beefs on some rye bread with some mustard. I love a seeded rye bread. Um, it's just it, it's it's very nostalgic. It reminds me of like uh, going to like a it's like a Jewish deli. Reminds me of going to diners. Love rye bread. Can't get enough of rye bread. So my theory about rye bread is that as you get older, your enjoyment of rye bread exponentially increases. I think I, I could agree with that. Why is that? Do you think? Well, from personal experience, I never really liked rye bread as a as a small child, and increasingly mm. I've warmed up to it. And every time I see an old person, they're always eating rye bread. It does feel like a very so, old Jewish like move to get rye bread. It's also just like I don't know. It, there's something about it, it's like really dry or something. Yeah, it's kind of dry, but like the, the it's a good dry, dry aged. It's a dry aged bread. Dry <laughs> a dry rye. Yeah, dry rye desert. Dry rye island. Dry rye. Isn't there like a rye in Westchester? Rye, New York. Rye, New York. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Westchester, right? Yeah, yeah. I love rye bread. I feel like it gets a bad rap. I feel like people uh, think it's it is dry, but it's uh, I think it's delicious. Get rich or rye trying. <laughs> wow, Vance is coming in hot, ready or not. Got that Long Island. He's got out in the fresh air. You can't compete yeah. with a guy out in the fresh air. It is Bird's nice. Chirping. Yeah, it is. It is nice to be in the fresh air. I can't um, be in so interest. So I'm at I'm in an Airbnb with uh, my in laws, like in law family. Mm. That's what you'd say. Um, and I took off of work today, but everyone else in the house is working. So I felt like if I was potting in in the, in the house, like you could hear. There's like nowhere you could really go where like yeah. you couldn't hear me. So. Um, Everyone would where everyone else is working. I'd, I'd be they'd be here in the pod. Yeah, this is which, a good one. I think the connection is pretty good. I think I think we're doing well. Yeah, um, that that yeah. yeah. You, I think you're still up. I am still up. All right, number eight is Eastern Eastern Europe. <coughs> brioche. I like a brioche. It's my number eight. Um, I. I feel like it's a bit overrated. It's why it's not lower down. I still love brioche, um, but I feel like it's it's a, it's a very rich bread. It's it's like almost like a pastry of how, of how like sweet and buttery it is. I but I'll never turn down a brioche if, it, if someone's like, oh, you want you want my brioche? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no. It's it's too sweet. I love brioche. Like we said before, more bread is better than less bread. I like brioche. 
Um, when you toast it, I feel it gets more buttery and more flaky. Uh, but it, it can also get very crummy. Like it breaks down very easily because of how of the texture of it. Yeah, I feel like brioche is a solid bread. It's my number eight. Sometimes I feel like I could get a little bit lost in brioche. Like it kind of reminds me of Mario Kart's Brioche Valley. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't really know where I am. Yeah, while I'm eating the brioche. No, that was just the yeah. Brioche Valley uh, one. You got, you got there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, the thing about brioche, I think it's a really, I think it's a very quality bread. I am into brioche, but. My problem with brioche is I feel like it's used as an almost gentrification element of diners. Mm. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like within our recent lifetimes, between maybe if you went to a diner in 2007 and you got a burger. Nice. Wow. Someone did not like your brioche take. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. They, 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 did, they did like they liked the bit though. Isn't that how people laugh now? Yeah, they're beeping. <laughs> yeah. They're beeping. Um, but – you went to a diner in 2007 you get a burger a cheeseburger yeah maybe cheeseburger deluxe would be like 10 or 11 dollars and the bun would be a normal bun and it wouldn't be amazing but it wouldn't be bad and you'd kind of get you know the focus would be on the burger would be good enough it's a diner three stars i don't know if you ever remember julian d's bit it's a diner that's what Jul- you're julian who julian g remember him Oh, wow, I do, I do remember. I don't remember the bit, but now, now I remember Julian G. One of the best bits in the history of comedy, I'm going to be honest. He just says, <laughs> I'm going to go on Yelp. I'm going to find every diner. I'm going to give it three stars. I'm going to say, it's a diner. <laughs> <laughs> That's so what Brioche does is you go to a diner in 2013, 2014, and all of a sudden the cheeseburger deluxe is $15. Right. The meat's a little bit worse. It's a little bit less. The lettuce wedge is larger. And the bun is a brioche. And which makes it feel like it's a little fancier because the brioche, so they can upcharge. Yeah. Which, it, it, I, there's nothing I got. It doesn't, I feel like the a brioche bun with a cheeseburger is fantastic. But it, I, I, I know where you're going with this. It definitely, it's, it's not worth the bang for your buck. It's not, and I think it, it's kind of used in a malicious way. The brioche, you know. Wow, the brioche, malicious. Yeah, the brioche isn't necessarily it, – it can't control how it's being used. I understand yeah. that. But I, I find the application of brioche sometimes unfortunate because I think it drives up prices, yeah. and it doesn't really merit that. And right. in a burger, for instance, the bread is obviously important, but I'd rather the quality uh, burger – and cheese and, and all that, as opposed to you need a good enough bread, but it it doesn't. You don't want a bread that's so good that it even takes away from the burger. Right, agreed. I don't think a brioche a brioche bun on a burger is fantastic, but it does I don't think it makes it that much better to warrant a uh, such an upcharge. A brioche cashier, nice brioche Larson, brie yeah nice. All right, my number seven, which is going against your philosophy of of your list i have garlic bread i can't get enough of garlic bread i love it on a garlic bread that's like made with a from a baguette so pretty much number seven is it's a baguette with garlic bread baguette with garlic not not a baguette with garlic bread on top of it like a double bread more like a baguette with garlic in it making it into a garlic bread it's great to be here i i enjoy like a, <laughs> a, a a bread basket with garlic bread i love it has a side. It's very easy to make. 
uh, garlic bread with a red sauce. You just, I just can't get enough of it. Um, a hot, toasty garlic bread is fantastic, but also garlic bread that's been sitting around a little bit, getting a little stale, is not bad to dip into a nice sauce. Um, call me a vampire. Don't call me a vampire because I love garlic bread. Yeah, I feel like I just, I'm always, I, I can't get enough of it. Call me garlic bread word scissor hands. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love garlic bread. This is actually, it'll do a seamless transition. I, I guess I lied a little bit when I initially said that it was just the bread. But number six for me is garlic knots. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that is beautiful. That's just the universe. The Braised Bits universe coming together. Yeah, and I love garlic bread as well. I do think garlic knots is a superior form of garlic bread. Why? I just think it's um, it's more in roll form, which I think roll a roll is you get the joys of bread more. So you get the crunchy outside and the soft inside on a, a roll. And also with garlic, garlic bread or garlic knots, for whatever reason, I don't know why this is, but they almost have like a cookie-like aspect uh, for me. And yeah. when I say that, I mean that if they're out, then I have to eat them all, <laughs> and I can't stop myself. Absolutely. And with garlic bread, I don't always feel that. I also think garlic bread, although this is true with garlic knots as well, but garlic bread, if it's not fresh or if it's not – well, nah, that's actually also not true. But garlic bread, I feel like it, it could be exponentially better if it's the right temperature. If it's not the right temperature, it's not the best – it's not maximizing its potential – uh, garlic knots, you can say that too, though. So maybe that's not a fair argument. But I don't know. Garlic bread, it's it's more exposed. It's leaving itself exposed more so than garlic knots. Which I enjoy about. I think garlic bread is vulnerable. It's it's, it's exposing itself. It's, it's being more open to. I, I feel like it's being open to be dipped. And I, garlic knots are great as a side. I love a good knot, but I prefer garlic bread because it's easier to dip. You can also make a sandwich out of garlic bread. That's like that's an ultimate. It's like a over-the-top sandwich if you're using garlic bread, like for a sandwich. I can't. I mean, I've I've had a stuffed knot, but it's it's never the same. Yeah, garlic bread though. I don't know. In a sandwich, it can be good, but it has to be the right sandwich. Garlic bread, it's it, it's very crunchy, and I think it um it takes it makes a lot of noise, and I think sometimes it could it, it demands to be the center of attention. Sure. It, the offense is run. It's like Carmelo Anthony. The offense right. is going to be run through garlic bread. Right. And the garlic knots more like a Kevin garlic knots. Like Kevin Knox. Yeah. Kevin Gar- nice. Kevin Gar- <laughs> <Garlic> <laughs> knots. I, I, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> nice. Fort. Yeah. So I got garlic Ke- knots. <laughs> I got Kevin garlic knots as my number six. My number five is New York City Mayor Ed Focaccia. Nice. Nice. Focaccia bread. We had our episode with Nick Whitmer, which was several episodes ago. He talked about focaccia, and it's really good. <laughs> that is, I couldn't have said it better myself. I don't want to spoil it, but I focaccia is pretty high up my list, so I'm going to save my take for it. I think it's also similar to what I was saying about hot dogs last week. Focaccia is a canvas. Uh, you paint the olive oil on it. You put garlic, or you put olives, or you put 
red pepper, sun-dried tomato. And it feels more like it is a bread, but it also feels almost like a pizza or like it's more of a party because you have the whole thing of focaccia. I guess you could cut off focaccia and put it in a bread basket, in which case one thing that I guess fits into this topic but doesn't – we all love getting a bread basket and there's all the different breads in there. Sure. And obviously there's going to be a bread that is Lake Superior to all the other breads. And I like that little power struggle between the different breads. Absolutely. And I feel like when focaccia is in a bread basket, there's a good chance it's going to win the uh, the March Madness mini tournament. I can't. I couldn't disagree with that. So focaccia is always a contender. So it's always a contender. Good coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good focaccia. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yeah. Coach focaccia. Coach K focaccia. <laughs> focaccia about it. Yeah. No hoist. That was your four? No, I think that was my number five. And then, oh, no, that was my number, no, that was my number, yeah, that was my number five. Number four, I got Baguette. Wow, Baguette. Yeah, Corey Baguette. Nice. That's where I was going. It, I was thinking. It, um, it just, I think, in terms of a bread, it's just a classic bread. I think it might be the best, best execution of a loaf of bread. If someone says, hey, do you want a loaf of bread? Obviously, I say yes. But in my mind, I'm hoping it's a baguette. Sure, sure. I, I, I love baguettes, but I think it goes back to what you were saying about garlic bread. You need a fresh baguette because I feel like baguettes get really hard and very uh, stale pretty quickly. That is true. That is a, a downside of a baguette. But you can turn it into croutons. Love a crouton. Can't get enough of a crouton. Um, but I just, when I think of baguette, I think of going to Italy and getting a long baguette and walking around the streets just munching on it. Nothing yeah. Bad. Yeah, just like a something about the again, it's like just a crunchy outside, and the the outside crunch I feel like is unreal, yeah. and then it's nice and soft on the inside, and it's also manageable. I feel like big like bread in general. Sometimes when you're eating it, it's it can be tough. There's a lot happening. Maybe it's a lo- like a loaf of bread. It's large. You got to cut it up. What did I get? It's 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 demanding to be eaten. Exactly. All it wants is to be in your stomach. That's right. Very it's my nice. favorite loaf of bread. Wow. Hot take. Hopefully it's hot because it's better. Right. I haven't had a hot baguette since the, since the 80s. Fair enough. All right. My number six is sourdough. I feel like I – oh, no. <laughs> I'm not. You got to get it. I'm not. No? Do I, have, do I have to get it? No, I don't want well, what it. What if it – Are they going to murder you? <laughs> no. If, if I get a second ring, I'll go. Usually okay. one ring, they'll, if it's a package, they'll just leave it down there. If I get a second ring, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> I, gotta, I mean, I, I'm, I'm halfway through my sourdough. I'm all, I'm all doughed up. I got it. Summer 6 sourdough. I love sourdough. I feel I rarely have sourdough for some reason because it's not always available for some reason. Or, or it's, it's just not like always – wherever I'm going to get sandwiches or, or I don't usually buy sourdough – I feel like during quarantine, it's been a big thing of people making their own sourdough. I don't really have any interest in making it, but it's one of my favorite breads to have on a sandwich, with, with a sandwich, as a sandwich. Um, great. I love the sour taste. I'm a big sour fan. I like Sour Patch Kids. I love sour beer. Yeah. I, I, San Francisco sourdough is delicious. All sourdough is delicious. Um, yeah. That's all I got on sourdough. Yeah, sourdough, I think it's, I think it's fine. I don't understand the obsession, and I 
Something about a bread-making kit bothers me. Yeah, I don't like that. It's like, just make bread. Why do you have to, have to bring a Kit Harrington into it? Yeah. <laughs> Nick Whitmer, uh, back to Nick Whitmer, he, he posted a picture. He made homemade sourdough and looked pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know. If, some, if other people are doing it, I'm not interested. <laughs> Wait, what? If other people are doing it, I'm not interested? Yeah. <laughs> so it's you're like, all interested if you're doing it? No, I don't know. If it becomes this phenomenon, like the sourdough kit, it just it, it it's. I feel like it's become a. If something becomes a thing, I'm less inclined You're anti- to things. be interested. That's fair. That's fair. Because okay, my then number, I feel like sorry. my interest. Uh, I feel like then my interest is just that other people are doing it, so it's some sort of cultural currency as opposed to actually being interested in it. Right. But there is a line of figuring out whether it's just a cultural like phenomenon or if it's like everyone's doing it because it's actually awesome. Because like when a lot of people are doing things, sometimes it's just like people doing it to fit into a, a clump. Well, or, I think, or it could be fun. I think there's a lot of awesome things, but it's only some of them people do. Like making bialis is awesome. Right. You don't see people making bialis. It's just that someone figured out how to monetize it with this sourdough kit. Someone made a biali kit. That's what people would be doing. Maybe you should be making a Bialik kit. Bialik kit hair. I might. Oh, I actually meant to also say, oh, I'll save it for next time. All right. Well, teaser. This way. Yeah, we got, got a teaser. I'm going to say something next episode. That's, That's the teaser. Stay tuned. Next episode, Lance is going to say something. This is pretty, this is breaking news. Then it might be, wow, I'm already, my mouth's salivating. That is what people do. That's like, it, like the manipulation that people have in these video contents is insane. And sometimes it's it's that's like I listen to this uh, very good. It's a, like one of the resources I use for learning French. It's this guy, and he basically has created this. It's like YouTube channel and podcast, and it's all about kind of learning French, and it's really good. But he'll always in his videos he'll be like stay to the end because it's like six you know tips for blah blah, blah. and he'll always be like stay to the end because the last one is yeah. good. And it's like well yeah obviously. <laughs> But it's, the fact that he says that like conditions me. I'm like, oh, I got to stay to the end because what's he going right. to say in the last one? Right. And it's it's it makes me want to stay. And also, it's it's. Like, I, I listen to a lot of sports radio, and that's that's pretty much all they do. Like before commercials, they tease what's coming up. It's like stay yeah. stay to the end of the of the the hour. We're gonna be breaking news. Yeah, one of my favorite comedy bits. Is Mike Birbiglia talks about like cable news, and this was probably like 15 years ago at this point. And he says how the news just gets you, and they're like, "You got to stay." And they're they're like, you know, coming up. Do you know what's in your soup? And and then he's like, "Oh, I got to stick around." He's like, "I got to know what's in the soup. Like maybe it's broth, but I got to know." And then he's like, "And back to the news. What's in your soup? It's broth." <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Love a soup bit. Yeah. All right. Now number five is challah. Challah at your boy. Um, we've talked about challah a lot in the pod. You made challah rolls. It's the best for French toast. I've had some, I, I enjoy a fresh challah on its own, but you just, just munching on a challah is fantastic, but it's also a pretty underrated, uh, bread for sandwiches. Challah with just like straight up American cheese is very good. Just like not even melted or anything, just straight American cheese, throw some, maybe some, any kind of cold cuts, um, Challah, when you drizzle some honey over it, it's fantastic. Um, I'm very nostalgic for challah. It reminds me of growing up and all the different Jewish holidays. Can't get enough of challah. Yeah, challah's my number three, actually. 
And pretty much for the reasons you outlined, what do you think about the round hollow versus, uh, I guess, rectangular or like a loaf more? I'm more, I'm more of a loaf guy. I'm not like anti-circular uh, or round hollow, but I just didn't grow up on that. And it's not what I'm, uh, what I've been, what I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, we always had round hollow for Rosh Hashanah because wow. it's like symbolic. You're, you're supposed, I don't know, maybe even. My parents made it up, but I think um, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's like that's the one we had probably on the. Yeah, and actually, when I go to Moisha's, it's this uh, kosher bakery uh, by me, and everyone also. This is another New York City thing. Some people who are in New York City might hear this and say Moisha's it's closed, and yes, the one in East Village closed. But there's one if you go all the way down on Grand Street. There's another Moisha's, and that's open. Nice and. yeah, so I wanted to. I wanted to shout out Moishes, Moishes, shout out to Moishes. Um, but they always ha- they have um, round, and they always ask me every time I come in what I, which one I want. That's nice. At least they ask it. They don't assume. Yeah, um, and I've gotten both, um, and they're. I mean, they both have their merits. Uh, one thing that's good about the round hollows, you don't get those end pieces. I like the end pieces. You like I, the end pieces? I don't get the stigma. I'm glad we get where you, you said that. I don't get the stigma against end pieces on bread. Like, cause on, on, on any loaf. I think it's, I think to me, it's one of the best parts of the bread. It's, it's well, the nub. It's got like, it's got like an extra layer of skin, like the bread skin. It's fantastic. I think, I think that the, the end of a loaf dares to be different and people are afraid of, of something that's going to, you know, transcend normal reality i guess (laughs) there's kind of a flock right it's like it's like a ducks right or geese right there's like the mother goose yeah and then then there's the flock yeah and the end piece of bread is not necessarily following the flock it's going on and doing its own thing and i think people are afraid of uniqueness which, and I, I, I look for uniqueness. I like I, I try to find the, the duck that's walking out of uh, the flock. Yeah. That's the, that's the end piece of hollow to me. The rest of the bread is conforming, and the end piece is saying, well, what if, what if I, I do my own thing? Yeah, it wasn't the, it's not the end piece's choice. It's not like the end piece chose to, to be different. It's at the end, yeah. it's the, at the end of the bread. It's that's just right. being, being who it is. So why, yeah. should, why hate on something that's being who it is? That's right. All right, my uh, that was a, that was a really hot take on end bread. I feel like that's going to yeah. be uh, that might that might be people might clip that up and put that on the news. It's going to be for the end of bread times. <laughs> bread dead redemption. That's um, right. Number four is potato bread. I I really enjoy potato bread. I think it's my favorite uh, bun, like potato buns potato bread buns um i think that's the the optimal bun for burgers and hot dogs um it's i I love the the texture of it it's kind of got like a um like a a play-doh texture a little bit where it's like a little bit it's got like a it's it's soft but it's like moldable a little bit which i like a lot it's got a nice chew to it um it holds well it doesn't like break down it's not like crummy it's not like flaky which I feel like I realized I'm not a big flaky guy. Um, yeah, potato bread. I think it's 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 an optimal summer bread, optimal all year round. Yeah, I don't. I agree. I don't love a Jeff flaky bread. Yeah, but <laughs> I so potato roll. 
it is interesting. I think it's. It, I agree. Where it, in terms of quality, it's tough to deny its quality. It's very solid. Martin's famous potato rolls. Oh, yeah. uh, famous I, always to, I always like to say my dad's name is Marty, so I always said it was his potato rolls. Wow. Uh, yeah. Nice um, buns, Marty. That's right. Yeah. So Lancey, uh, eat, eat my buns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But the thing about a potato roll is you were saying how it's more – it's Play-Doh. Yeah. I think it's more like Socrates because <laughs> the potato roll is critically thinking at all times and it's chose to be a little bit smaller and preserve its taste integrity, mm-hmm. which I can't fault. However, the potato roll is undeniably a little bit small compared to your more traditional rolls. True. If you're having a burger – you have two choices. You either stretch out the surface area of the roll, which I think compromises its quality or its aesthetic integrity slightly, or you just have like a roll where it's kind of small and then the burger that's kind of giant and the proportions are off. Or you go, which I think I prefer my burgers, you go for a slider. You, go, you, have, like a, you have two smaller burgers. I love a slider. I love a like, my favorite kind of burger is White Mana, which is like the original White Castle. It's like a, a smaller burger, uh, smaller bun. Can't get enough of that. I don't. I think then you're pigeonholing the burger. You're not letting the burger reach its potential of being a full burger. Oh no, 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 Lance. Have you ever had a? Have you ever been to White Mana? No, I never even heard of it. Really? It's it's like a little like it fits like ten people. It's in Hackensack. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Is it by all those gymnastics mats? <laughs> I, don't think, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about every, that. Every time I've ever seen one of those mats for like gymnastics or high jump, it always says like Hackensack. So that's what I've always thought about Hackensack. But I've never actually looked up if they actually make these mats in Hackensack. <laughs> I, I honestly I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you ever do like the high jump in middle school? The high jump, like, oh no, no, like the track, uh, track and field high high jump. Yeah, it was like a bar, and you jumped over, and you landed on a mat, or like a any of those things. They never had us do that, no. Or like gymnastics when you were little. Do you ever do that? I did. I did do a little gymnastics. Remember how they always had those big mats, like usually blue. Yeah, those are made in sack. Matt Sundin. <laughs> yeah, they they. Everyone I've ever seen like has said that they're made in Hackensack or something with Hackensack. Interesting. That's the beauty of this pod. We start out at potato bread, then we get to gymnastic mats that are made in Hackensack. This just this is how we get there. Hackensack of potato bread. <laughs> Hacky sack. Ha- nice. Hacking hacking potato sack races. Nice. My wife is Hackensack. <laughs> <laughs> she says hi. By the way, hi Kate. She was like, "Are you you're recording the pod?" And then it was because we were we were initially going to do ten thirty, and then we we delayed a little. Yeah. And um, she was like, "Aren't you recording?" She was concerned that we weren't recording the pod. And I said, "Don't worry, we're going to record the pod." No worries, no worries. We're all Gucci. Yeah. Yeah, that was my number four. That's right. Um, oh, so I do number three now. That's how. Sure. I'm off. I'm off my game because I'm not in my usual pod chair. I kind of like it. It keeps you uh, keeps you on your your pod toes. Yeah, it keeps me keeps me present. 
Um, so number three, I got Hala. We already talked about it. Nice. Praise Hala. Do you prefer? <laughs> do you? Um, I've I've seen. Have you seen like these everything Hala's or sesame Hala's? I've seen him. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not for him. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Typically, with I, I would think that I would like them, but I, I think because of Hall is very nostalgic for me, and it reminds me of of growing up. That's why I like to hold on to the original challah. Yeah, um, it is. It's actually something. So it's something that I've been wanting to make during quarantine. When I was at my parents, my sister actually made it, and I helped her braid the challah, which was really cool. So it was really interesting to see how challah gets that shape. Yeah, and that was cool. And we've already talked about Hala a lot, so I'll stop. Hala at your boy if you want to. That's right. Um, number two, I have got Bialis. Nice. I've talked a Bialy guy. I've talked a lot about Bialis. I honestly, I'm not. I'm not even going to lie. I think I am. I am uh, more than the vast, vast majority of the population keeping Bialis alive as a food. I think you. I, I would agree with that, and I think you have an opportunity with Bialis. I think I think there's no reason why you shouldn't make bring Bialis back. I don't think you you really want any back because I feel like that might make may make you sour though on Bialis because if you somehow brought Bialis back into the zeitgeist, they become popular. Then that's the what you isn't that the one thing you hate? When I'm bringing in Bialis back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what I what I don't like. Like I would love more Bialy shops to exist. What I, what the thing that bothers me about the sourdough is that uh, it's just someone who figured out how to monetize, or groups of people who figured out how to monetize bread, but in a way that it's like less. I, well, this this I I being I I understand I'm being probably unfairly critical about it, but it's less. You could you could sense that it's like it's this kit that. Someone just making money off of to to manufacture a cool experience, which is great, but it's not entirely. It just makes it seem like it's not entirely about the bread. It's more about uh, a combination of capitalism and like people posting on Instagram that they did something. Sure, sure. And uh, like, like I would love to open up a Bialy shop. That would be like a dream of mine. But it's I've thought about it, but. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's also tough. One reason why Kosars, which we've talked about, which was like Bialy Central of maybe the world, you could argue, and now is kind of a normal bagel store, is I mean, you, you can't. It's almost impossible for a business to exist just selling Bialys. Right. It's just sad. I think it's just because people just don't know what it is. If people knew what it was, people would love it. Yeah, and then you get the store bought ones, which aren't great. So it's like, right. Everyone. I mean, the cars outside they hate Bialy. So beep beep. The Bialy. Yeah. Beep. Yeah, but they're just so good, and I've been making them, and they, I really enjoy making them. Uh, there's no kid involved, and they're just a great use of bread. And uh, yeah, definitely like a nostalgic, personal sort of thing, a reminder of like where we're from type thing sure. as well. Um, and I, I, I just think they're really good, and I am kind of I, – I don't really understand why bagels are obviously good, but it's interesting to me – why bagels just are so much more successful than Bialy's. It's kind of like when two comedians like maybe start out and they're both kind of good and then one of them gets super, super successful and then yeah. one of them is like, you know. Bagels, still, bagels got lucky. Maybe bagels just struck. It was all about timing. Bagels got, got lucky with it. 
Yeah, well, bagels, you, um, they were able to made, they were initially protected by a union in New York and they were made by hand and it was like this whole thing. But then once someone made a bagel machine and once that happened, they were, they kind of exploded all over the, the, the wow. country and the world. Big bagel. Yeah. Sweet sauce. Yeah. So that's my number two. And my number one, I got your classic, this is kind of vague. But it's your classic dinner roll. <laughs> so this is the most. I, I couldn't have. I, I was gonna say, was he, was he gonna do white bread? Is he gonna do just like yeast? Is he gonna like, the dinner roll is perfect for Lance. Perfect because a dinner just rolls in general, as I said, I think are the best application of the bread because you're maximizing the crunchy outside and the soft inside. Sure. And I love a good roll because you could open it up and you could put butter on it, but you don't have to. A right. good roll doesn't demand butter, but you could also have it to enhance it. And just with a dinner roll, you could eat 20 of them and then still have your dinner. Right. And I can't, I can't argue against it. Dinner rolls are unbelievable. As I stated earlier, more bread – what was it? More bread is better? More bread is better than less bread. More bread is better than less bread and I think dinner rolls are the ultimate – Example of that. I also do love, and this is really, I think, counter to usually what I like, but some of the dinner rolls, you could tell they're kind of like almost a little processed or manufactured. Mm. You know, like some of them have like on the bottom those like weird uh, mini circles yeah. where you could tell they're like made in like a factory. Yeah. And there's something about that that's comforting to me. And I know it's it's weird and I can't explain why. But it's like some sort of sense of consistency that I enjoy. Sure. And that's, not, that's like one specific type of dinner roll. Another thing I thought about putting in but was a Kaiser roll, which is like unreal. But they kind of – you could argue you could put – you can't really put a Kaiser roll within dinner. But rolls in general are my favorite. And then dinner rolls are probably my favorite of the rolls. I didn't want to do Kaiser roll and then dinner roll. It felt like too much, too much roll. Might, yeah, you might be on a roll there. Roll, roll, roll tide. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, 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 I love a dinner roll. I love, I think I prefer a bread basket that's all dinner rolls compared to a bread basket that has like a hodgepodge or mix of, of rolls, like the, the competing rolls, because it's like, you're going to pick one and then, and then you're going to be like, Oh, I kind of wish I had the garlic bread. Or I wish I had the pizza bread. Like dinner Anal- rolls, we're all getting the same. It's a level playing field. Analysis paralysis. <laughs> exactly. It's like on Netflix. It's like, you're never going to be happy with what you chose to watch because you probably chose the wrong thing. Yeah. And dinner rolls, like we're all eat, having the same thing, whether you put butter on it or not, it's delicious. But it is a, a dinner roll that comes out a little warm. I mean, that's, oh, a yeah. thing. that's a beautiful thing. And that's another thing with dinner roll is it's better, obviously at the right temperature, but it's still fine if it's cold. Sure. It's, it doesn't, um, it's able to withstand whatever elements it's, it's given, which I appreciate. Absolutely. Beautiful. That's a, that's that's a classic Lance. You really really you lived up to the to the Lance list reputation. I love that. Thanks. Um, okay, my number three is focaccia. We talked about focaccia. I love focaccia. I think it's great for pretty much like what we what we talked about before. It's great for dipping into oil. Um, it's great for it's, it's it's got the pizza bread. It could be a, a sandwich. It could be just. Um, Classics on the table. Uh, it's got the, sometimes it has rosemary in it, which 
I think I had as my number one spice. I'm a huge rosemary guy. Rosemary McGowan. Can't get enough of rosemary. Um, yeah, focaccia. Not sure what else to say about it. I think it's fantastic. Love it. My number two is ciabatta. Ciabatta. I love ciabatta. I it's it's got a it's a little bit chewier than focaccia. Um, it's like chewier than a flatbread, but it's got a soft texture. If that makes sense. Um, I think if I had my if I had any bread pick for a sandwich, I'd probably pick ciabatta overall. Um, Chewbacca, Chewbatta Star Wars. I don't. I'm not sure, but it's, it's great. I love ciabatta. Uh, I feel like I'm running out of ciabatta steam, but it's an Italian white bread. Can't get enough. It, it's it's inspiring. Ciabatta, believe. <laughs> ciabatta, yeah. believe. So one thing I don't so like when when I have ciabatta, there's some sort of voice that's like ciabatta up, and it's time to it's time to go to the plate. And what I don't love about ciabatta is it's it's pretty laborious for a bread you're doing a lot of work you're it's like you're right with the chewiness i i don't i don't need to be i don't need to labor while i'm eating bread true i think that's better for me because the more it 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 slows me down a bit a little bit if i'm throwing down ciabatta throwing down bread i'm gonna i'm not gonna stop ciabatta makes me slow down chew on this enjoy it and uh you better believe i'm gonna have a lot of it (laughs) Fair enough. That's that's a that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I I don't dislike ciabatta, but I wanted to. It's like it's kind of like um, we have we have this element of, of like PTI where <laughs> if, I don't, if if I don't if I don't totally agree with you on something, I'm gonna lean into the opposite yeah. of why it's like terrible. And you yeah, you got it. It's it's uh, you know what I thought. And Brazerbacks, let us know. Like, what if we did a sideshow? where we like take like a food or like a food combination and one of us it's almost like first take where one of us has to be like super for it and the other person has to be like really against it yeah i'm i'm i love love that i mean it's kind of what we do but it's it's hard it's hard to like go totally totally anti-bread yeah 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 exactly how can you be such an anti-chibata guy that's right well because it's laborious It, it 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 and it demands that you it, – it's kind of like a teacher who like if you're in college or high school and they think their class is the only class. So they give you all this homework and that they assume that you're paying attention to – if every teacher if every teacher gave you that amount of homework, it would be impossible. But Chibata thinks that it's the most important bread so it can give you the most homework. Wow. I never thought about like that. I never thought about Chibata giving me homework. <laughs> That really just blew my mind. I, wow, maybe maybe Chabad is a bad teacher. All right, but my number one uh, is olive bread. I love olive bread. I love olives. Um, I can have olive bread by itself, like just just like pieces of olive bread. Uh, but it's also fantastic with toppings with cream cheese as a sandwich. Uh, there's different kind of olives when it's fresh. The, the saltiness of the olive. Also, with like the sourness of the bread or whatever kind of bread it is, is fantastic. Um, I'm a big olive and salty fan. I recently, my, my mom gave me some uh, belly locks to uh, when I to take home and, and uh, some olive bread, and it's just a, a biting into just 
the salty, salty heaven. I can't get enough of it. So yeah, Salt Lake City. Exactly. Utah bread. Um, so when you first said olive bread, I'm going to be honest, I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> and I was like, what is, what is that? And although I was talking about just before how using, like I, I just Googled it. And I've, I've had olive bread before. Um, but it isn't a bread that I really think about. Um, yeah. It's not in my, it's not in my re- repertoire. And I've had it before, but I didn't, I never, I never really think about it as an option. Yeah. It's, it's a special bread. My mom is, my mom really drove home olive bread to me. She's a big olive bread person. So am I. And, uh, it's, it's always, it's been a staple in our house for a long time. Olives are definitely one of the best foods on earth. Yes. So, and breads are one of the best foods on earth. Definitely. So you combine them and it's, it's not going to be bad. Olive, I I love olive bread. Olive bread. Yeah, I feel like I just can't talk to it to that much because I don't have a ton of experience with it, but it can't be bad. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Sweet sauce. I think that was a great top nine. Yeah, we really devoured through the, that bread basket. We did. Can't get enough bread. Very strong. Let us know, Razorbacks, your favorite breads. Um, if, and if I feel like... There's so many breads we didn't talk about. If there's any breads that we notoriously missed, let us know. We're man. Yeah. You got any ads? I do not have an ad this week. Do you? Nope. Wow. So we're going adless. Um, okay. That's a, this coronavirus economy, people don't want to advertise anymore. It, yeah, this is bare bones. This yeah. is a bare bones pod, but we're, we're going to do this for the Brazerbacks no matter what. David Boreanis and Emily Duchanel. Nice. Bare bones. Nice. <laughs> you got, uh, is that a joke? I do. I got two of them. One of them is a bit I want to try out. Okay. And the other one is, a, is that a joke? And the bit I got is that Kate's been like FaceTiming or Zooming with friends. Yeah. And I have, but like barely. And she's like, we, we have, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things I find fascinating about the difference between male friendships and female friendships. But one of them is Kate's like talking to her friends about like, I don't know, her feelings or like, I don't know, they, they, they get in deep, they get in deep. And Kate's always fascinated that like men, when they hang out a lot of times, like, you know, we just talk about like nothing or just like, like do bits or talk about sports. And then like Kate will talk to one of my friends for like two minutes and she'll get like, some like more serious thing that I just didn't know about. And right. she finds that fascinating. So she's like, she was saying to me, like, this is also way too big of a setup. So I gotta figure out the setup, but Wait, she's, like, joke? Where, she's like, she's like, where do men like, she, she's like, do men just like not talk about their feelings? So the bit I want to say is that like women talk to their friends about feelings, but you know, men have the comment section of sad songs on YouTube. <laughs> I think it's funny. Like, like you ever, like you ever, like read the comments of like landslide or like I don't know some no. song, like some some song about like death or that's like kind of sad. And all the comments will be like, um, you know, my my dad loved this song and he died ten years ago. I think about him every day. It's like like comments like that, and I feel like that's where men express their feelings. That's the funny. comments of sad YouTube songs. I think that's funny. I think that's a joke. Yeah, I think. I, I think I, 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 I agree with uh, Kate's 
sentiment. I, I feel like compared to most guys, I'm more um, in f- effeminate or in I, your I, feelings. I, I'm, I'm in my feelings a lot. <laughs> I, I uh, and that's kind of what's frustrating me a lot with a lot of my male relationships with my friends. That it is a lot of kind of talk about nothing and just doing bits. Um, I want to go deeper. I want to. I want to get into the feelings. Yeah, no, I I understand that and I respect that, but I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's your your that's your your it's an it's an uncomfortable feeling to talk about your feelings, and it's a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, so I understand your pushback. Yeah, no, men, well, just men, I think aren't conditioned in that way. Especially male relationships are about uh, showing external strength. Right. And and yeah, talking about your feelings and stuff is uh, is vulnerability. It's like it's like the garlic knot versus the garlic bread. Wow, great great callback. Yeah, great so callback. yeah, I mean there are I think there are a lot of admirable qualities about being um, you know kind of uh, showing a strong exterior, but obviously too much, and it gets to be a little bit stifling. Sure, but I think you you. The more in touch with you are with your feelings, and it just gives you a deeper connection with with yourself and with people around you. It's true, but also the less able you are to fight in World War One, and that's what men are have been conditioned to do. <laughs> I'm just saying why I think that's the case. It's like because men need to like be detached from stuff in order to kill people in war, and I think yeah. it makes it. E- I think it makes it easier, but yeah, but now, now there aren't really wars or like, like that, or I mean, you know, that, that type of thing. All the men who came home from those wars came home with like PTSD and they had to deal with those feelings afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We we really got deep there. Maybe, maybe this should be, we should turn this into a feelings podcast. I'll do it. Imagine. Yeah. Feeling, uh, I can't think of a reference. My first podcast was was called Feeling Funny. I did like ten episodes. It was, it was about feelings, but didn't didn't really go anywhere. No, you should have made it. You should have changed it to We're All Psychos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great pod. It's a good idea. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, and then my second one was that a joke? I w- I made sausage and peppers the other day. I was eating it outside where I just was, and there was a wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp, that was like hovering around. I could tell it was interested in the food. It was kind of like what I'm like with my wife, where I see her eating something, and I'm like, ooh, that looks good. Yeah. And I'm hoping she'll say, do you want some? I sensed that with this wasp, where it was like hovering around, and I was yeah. like, oh, that looks good. And then it landed in my bowl, oh, and that. then it started crawling. So I stabbed the wasp with my fork and killed it. Seriously? And I threw it out. I washed the fork, and they just ate the rest of the sausages and peppers. Wow! Is that a joke? Nope. <laughs> Love that. See, that's why. I mean, that's why you you can use that kind of uh, that mentality to go to war. You're killing wasps for, <laughs> for, to be able to eat. You well, eat. I, I didn't want to. That was the thing. I was like, please don't make me do this. No. Yeah. It was about and it and it did. So, because I, I I couldn't, what was the op- the options? Either a, I wait for it to not be in the sausage and peppers, which was never going to happen. I was just going to eat it up, and or number two, I was going to like wait for it to sting me, which right. you no, know. I agree. I, I I fully back your decision to kill the wasp. Yeah, I'll defend you against all the wasp, the pro wasp people. Yeah, 
Nice. All right. My is that a joke? I watched the um, the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa documentary, Long uh, Gone Summer. How was it? It was pretty good. Um, I've watched, I think, all of the the sports docs that have come out during quarantine. I watched the Lance Armstrong, watched The Last Dance. This was probably my least favorite of all of them. It was still very interesting and very uh, brought back a lot of memories. It was the, the 1998 season. Um, I actually have in my apartment a signed picture of Mark McGuire and Sosa that my dad got for me. Um, it was very I, – I enjoyed it. Like, um, but the is that a joke part was is that Sammy Sosa still has not and will not admit to taking steroids, which is pretty I think very ultimately very sad because Mark McGuire admitted to taking steroids and um, he's kind of been welcomed back into baseball culture. He's, he's like a, he's a bench coach for the Cardinals and as he was inducted into the Cardinal Hall of Fame. While Sammy Sosa's never been invited back to Wrigley Field, he's like rarely ever really talked about. He's not he's not really talked about anymore outside of this documentary. And like Alex Rodriguez admitted to taking steroids, and he's now like a huge media star. And it, it's just like someone has to. Like it, it's it, it just made me sad for Sammy Sosa that he can't admit to himself or admit to everybody else that he, that he made he did this and. It made me realize also that like, st- like how exciting baseball was during that time. Like, I remember watching SportsCenter every night, watching Sosa and McGuire hit home runs, and how amazing it was. And like, I like, yeah, I think the records are tainted, and that you know probably not. The, it's not a healthy way to 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 play sports, but it, it's exciting. And and also, is that a joke? Was Mark McGuire saying in the documentary that steroids didn't make him stronger? It's just, I thought that was very funny. He said that it helped him recover from uh, injuries, is why he took it. But it didn't help him. It didn't help him in the weight room or strength or get stronger. I've actually it was absurd. I've actually heard that. Um, I don't know anything about the science or anything like that. But I have a, like, what if Sammy Sosa actually just didn't take steroids? He, I think, he was on a list though of like. There's a New York Times list that, that was leaked of like players that were confirmed to test with for with. Balco or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like the evidence seems to suggest that he took steroids. I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I also haven't really uh, like gone that deep into it. Yeah. Um, one thing about Sammy Sosa is that I remember when I was like, "Oh, he's definitely on steroids." Is and this was towards the end of his career. He sneezed and he threw out his back. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. And he was like, he sneezed and he he like was out for like a. I think it was like a semi-significant amount of time because he hurt his back, and then it was it was because he sneezed. Wow! And, I didn't know that. And at first, you know, I I must have been like I don't know, fourteen years old or something when I when I heard this, and I was like, that's ridiculous. But now I'm like, I could see how that happens. Sure, absolutely. I'm like, I, you don't need to be on steroids to sneeze hard and throw out your back, right? So <laughs> yeah. now I do have a newfound understanding of that as I get as I get older. Uh, number two, I always quote. Remember another thing too, it's like shows like the priorities in the country. It's like, yeah, this is baseball steroid stuff. I honestly, my personal thought about it is like, I don't understand why people care. Every sport people use crazy advantages. I think the sign stealing is way, way worse than the steroids. Because, I agree. Um, like exponentially worse. Um, and the steroids, I'm like, whatever you do 
like anyone could take them and you're kind of like i say it it hurts your body it sounds like but that's like i don't know i i i I never i never understood why it was like so bad to be honest mcguire says in the documentary that it it was like at the time when he was taking it it and they weren't even illegal it it wasn't wasn't even illegal illegal, right yeah Yeah, so i I really don't especially with mcguire because when bonds it was like illegal by then right yes so i could see if it's if it's against the rules of the organization then yeah that makes sense you're violating the rules that's that but but like with mcguire and sosa it wasn't illegal so who cares exactly i guess it's just like baseball such an old school sport and that like it's all about the records and they're all everyone's like all oh, these these records were now yeah. tainted and it's all about statistics which is it's who cares it's a sport well, it's entertaining it, and it's the opposite with pitching. It's like all these pitching records. You could say the old ones are tainted because they didn't know about harming people's arms. Right. Yeah. So they exactly. just let people wear out their arms getting all these records, but now people are more knowledgeable. I don't know. Right. That's not that's not the best analogy, but I never really. And I think I think it is one of the things maybe like baseball, and they're in a weird spot. It seems like they they're not going to have a season. It seems like it's yeah. less. It seems like it's less in in tune with the national conversation i feel like like i feel like when we were little it was like the nfl was the top and then baseball and then basketball but now i think basketball has leapfrogged um, baseball definitely there's definitely a period where football was number one but in a doc it showed how sosa mcguire they're yeah made like baseball number one yeah Yeah, baseball yeah i think the strike was there's baseball strike 94 yeah and a lot of in that like decimated baseball. Like people stopped watching baseball. Yeah, after, which might happen if there's no season this year. I think that yeah. will really help hurt the sport. Um, so be interesting. Yeah. Well, and now like I mean, there's this is like almost like a whole other episode. Maybe we do a baseball episode. That'd be cool. That'd but be um, like, there's no visible stars really. Like Mike Trout is the best player, but like no one would be able to identify him. Right. You know. Right. Um, I think that's like an interest. Yeah. There's a lot of things that baseball. I think maybe natural, but also just like that they, uh, yeah, it's like less of a, less of a thing for lack of a better. And I remember, I mean, in New York, like, yeah, 98 and then 2000 was the subway series. Baseball was the biggest thing on, in sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. You'd have to do a baseball pod. Yeah. That'd be fun. Well, this is, this is a, we're going for, we're going, uh, into extra innings on this pod. We're going deep. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, let's let's hit up QAB. I yeah, I got a I'll, very quick QAB that I don't want to really even get too deep into. But my QAB is everyone in America acting like coronavirus is over with, and uh, like especially in New York, like going out to hanging out outside, no masks, no social distancing, people going to parties. I think it's it's just very it's like it's so so predictable. Of our society, just getting like fed up with quarantine and fed up with like listening to things, and and it's just very QAB, and I and I think very sad that people are are like just not just laxing on all of these things that have helped flatten the curve, and it's I don't I, I'm very scared about it coming back and peaking again. Yeah, I mean I think there's two angles. Like number one, like obviously. The protests did not help coronavirus, but right. I think it's like the the urgency of the protests. I think you know many people would agree with that are f- like far more urgent than the virus. You know, like like um, 
like the like the the, the protests are just are about the American system, right? In a lot of ways, yeah. And it's like if the American system isn't fixed, then it doesn't matter if the virus is cured because right. we go we're still in this broken system. Right. So yeah, like the protests weren't great for the virus, but I think I think most people understand why they're necessary and urgent. Right. Uh, however, I 100% agree with you in the sense of like, yeah, people drinking in the streets and like basically gathering for non-urgent purposes. Exactly. That, that's, uh, that's my QAB. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I know you weren't talking about the protests, but I, I mean, you, you also like the protests are obviously going to play a part in the resurgence of the virus, like in New York, right? Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's, so that's going to be the excuse yeah. that. Trump or politicians yeah, use for why. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but what certainly is easily avoidable is these gatherings in the street. Yep. And I I honestly have I, I have two conflicting viewpoints. Number one is obviously we don't want a second wave and less the less virus the opposite of bread. We want less virus is better. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, people like there there's this balance between going back to normal, creating situations where jobs could exist. And like, if you're, you know, if you're working at a restaurant, it's like, how long could you go not working? Right. Um, so I think it's, I think it's really difficult. And my personal, my personal viewpoint is that as long as the hospital infrastructure is okay, then it's like, at some point you have to go back. Um, because, the effects i mean the economy it's it gonna be uh, crazy what's gonna happen like i don't know like uh if if like colleges don't come back and if rest economies are just gonna be devastated so uh right. i think part of it is um is is that has to go back to normal at some point so the sooner the better but then it's like well if it happens too soon with too many people, does it create a situation that it's worse in the future? It's it's tough. I mean, it's I don't envy the people that are in charge of this stuff. But yeah, people have no. In terms of exercising caution, people are. It's it's uh, the country has no idea what delayed gratification is. So exactly, and, and like I don't. I think people have to realize that there's going to be a new normal, and that can't like. I agree that we have to open it back up, but opening it back up while still going outside with masks on, go, like. And going out and social distancing. Now that New York's back open, people are acting like Corona's done, which is not. Yeah. I think people still need to realize that you have to still you have to be acting as if it's happening, but with and with caution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's counterintuitive to like, like the news. It's everything. It's like, oh, this is a trending topic. It's over. We forget about it. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. My QAB is: Are you a car person? Not really. I'm, so, yeah, so I feel like this is maybe a comes from a place of I do I just I just don't understand it. So I find it like the flaunting of expensive cars. I just don't understand why people like I'm just not interested in cars. And I I'm on Long Island and we're kind of you know when we were driving I just like when I've been on the road I feel like I've seen people in like these convertibles and these cars and I'm like. This is so much money, and it, I, I just don't, I don't get it. It feel it's like a, it's us ostentatious. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes people just love cars, so then I'm like, well, I don't like cars, but this person must love cars. But then 
Is it just about showcasing wealth? And it's just weird. It's weird to me that you choose that. I, I don't. I don't. Under, I don't understand it. I think there's two car cultures where one, it's like people are really interested in cars and like how they work, and then the other one is like cars for showing off. And I'll just never understand that. I think it's like it's just a waste of money. And then it's like this weird. It's this weird showing off that gives me kind of like a gross feeling. Absolutely. Imagine Jay Leno's car garage TV show. That's the most like obnoxious TV show premise of all time. It's literally yeah, just I never, him going through his garage. I never watched it, but I've seen like clips of it. I never watched that. Yeah, and I know like Seinfeld's a big car person. His thing I think is kind of cool because he's like thoughtful of the cars he chooses for the people. I think that's kind of cool. But um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's something about it that rubs me the wrong way. Uh, it's, it's, it's a way for guys especially to just to like we said before like instead of like going into our feelings we, we have a, a bright shiny car to kind of like flaunt and show our how our wealth and how we're doing yeah and you know what they say about men with uh nice cars they got big feet that's right right yeah. listen down on the gas pedal yeah uh yeah so that's my qab very nice. very ill formulated but I think people get what I'm saying. No, I, I liked it. Want to bring in the old closer? Let's do it. A three, a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Bits, 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 bits. Come on. Bits, 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 bits. Get him, Lance. Bits, 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 bits. Hey, now. Bits. What to do? Oh, shit. Come on. Bits, 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 bits. Bits, 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 bits. Hey, now. Bits, bits, Nice. Very nice. Woo. I think I got tickle in my throat. Beautiful. That was beautiful. The birds chirping in the background, musicality. They're, they're, they're singing with you. Thanks. You got anything in the plug coming up? No. Um, nope. <laughs> Sam, I'll just, we'll just plug the pod. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for, for giving us feedback. Let us know if you have any top nines that you want to hear from us. Um, any breads that we didn't talk about. Share Pile with a friend, share with an enemy. Yeah, slash Blue Ribbon has a review. Thanks for yeah. everyone who's who's sent in reviews, and uh, yeah, we we appreciate you. Sounds Gucci. That was a fun right. pod, Lance. Good pod. All right, thanks for listening. Bye.